Hey, what's up, everyone? Drew here, and I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for checking out our podcast, 108 North. This is the college podcast for First Baptist Statesboro. And I want to take a quick moment before we dive into the episode to say, uh, if you happen to be a college student in Statesboro, whether you're going to Georgia Southern, Ogeechee Tech, or something in between, you're looking for a community and a church to plug into, we would love for you to come hang out with us at First Baptist. We're downtown, big church, 108 North Main Street. May look a little intimidating from the outside, uh, but we would love love for you to come and worship with us and to learn how to grow. We're all about equipping and making disciples. So we have worship services at 8.30 and 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And in between those at 9.45, we have a college gathering, uh, Bible study that we'd love for you to come join and hang out with. And then if you can't make that for some reason on Wednesday night, uh, we have a college large group gathering that gathers at 6.30 as well. So love for you guys to come hang out with us. If you want more information, there's notes in the show notes and details and links. Uh, and you can always reach out to me. So hope you're having a great day. Thank you for listening. On with the show. Hello, everyone. It is Drew here. Welcome to 108 North, our college podcast. I hope that as we wrap up this semester and the holidays are coming quickly, that you're having a wonderful time together. We have been studying the book of John this semester, and whether you've been us every week or maybe you're just jumping in now, <clears throat> I would encourage you to read the story of Jesus because this season that we're walking into now that we're in December is a season of Advent, which means we're expecting something great. And it's a reminder in many ways, an invitation for us to remember who Jesus is. And this whole semester, we've been asking us that question, who Jesus is. And looking at how Jesus interacts and talks to and engages with different people to see that. So we're continuing that today, and uh, kind of a question to start us off with uh, while we're talking is this, is uh, have you ever been caught red-handed for some reason? You know, like you got caught and there's no need and no chance for you being able to be like, nah, I'm good, fam, that wasn't me, Uh, I didn't do that. Uh, I think if we're all honest... And if, especially if we have siblings, we've all probably gotten away with and maybe lied our way out of some situation, even though that's kind of sinister, if we're honest. But sometimes you do something and you get caught. I can't help but think about my dog. I have a blue healer named Obi. Love him to death. And yes, he is named after Obi-Wan Kenobi, the great Jedi. And uh, that's another podcast for another day. But Obi's a blue healer, super smart dog, herding dog. Um... He's also derpy as all get out. But Homeboy, for some reason along the way, has so much dingo in him that he is always wanting to know and uh, wanting to eat. It doesn't matter. I mean, we feed him all the time, but he acts like he's starving. And uh, one day, I, I think about this, as I came out of a room after uh, we were getting our kid to bed and everything else, and we had eaten pizza that night, and Obi was out just being a dog, and I come out, and on our dining room table, which again is a dining room table, so it's probably like three feet up, easy, off the ground, my dog is standing on our table with a piece of pepperoni pizza halfway out his mouth, just looking at me like a deer caught in the headlights, or maybe a dog caught eating pepperoni while standing on the table. And I just remember looking at him and him looking at me, and he had this stunned shock look like, Dad, it's not what it looks like, but it honestly was exactly what it looked like. The funny thing about it was, though, is that my dog, even though he's a dog, is pretty smart. And he immediately jumped down off the table and went to his bed, went to his crate, knew he was in trouble, didn't even fight me. He knew he was caught red-handed. 
Now, the reality is we often do this, and maybe you're a college student on the drive home after uh, this semester, and maybe you have been speeding a little bit, because I think that's another way that sometimes we get caught red-handed. I know for myself, I have gotten a few speeding tickets in my day. We won't go all into detail of that, but sometimes speeding ticket is, oh, I'm just going a little bit faster, but sometimes you get caught, the lights come on, and you know immediately that you got caught, and there's no way out of it. The interesting thing is, is who catches you, right? Like, for instance, if you're speeding down the highway going home and you know you're breaking the law and you get a phone call from your friend who says, man, you were just blasting by me on 75 going north. That's a little different than if a state trooper pulls you over, right? Or, for instance, if you're doing something you know you shouldn't do and someone, a friend catches you do it versus someone who maybe has some kind of authority that changes everything as well. Here's what's interesting and what I've, where all this is leading to is that authority matters much more than we may realize, specifically who has authority in situations. Because when we are caught red-handed and when things end up going in our favor, the person who ends up uh, catching us, depending on if they do or do not have authority, depends heavily upon what happens. I think we talk about authority a lot and see the abuse of authority a lot in our culture. It's part of human broken condition of this world we live in for sure. But I think John 8 tonight, or this, whenever you're listening to this, sorry, tonight's in my notes because I originally taught this at night. All right, we're going to try a different one. Authority matters, and we live in a day and age where authority is often tested, questioned, and corrupted, honestly. Maybe we should ask a different question about who has true authority. And that's what we're looking at tonight. John chapter 8 has a very interesting story for us. To kind of give a background, there's another festival happening in Jerusalem. This one's the Feast of Booths. And this has very Harvest Festival vibes. Think, you know, uh, fall time, uh, The whole group is living out in tents outside to show how God provided for them in the wilderness when they're uh, leaving uh, Egypt. And what's really happening in the background of this entire story we're about to read about Jesus is this question of who can forgive sin? Who has the authority to do that? Because again, authority matters on getting caught and authority matters on being forgiven. It doesn't matter if you look at somebody, uh, someone's best friend who you've hurt badly or they've hurt you and say you're sorry or vice versa if you're not talking to the person who actually has the authority to forgive you. Jesus, once again, is in Jerusalem. And the Pharisees, who he has been at odds with for a while, and it keeps escalating within this story of John, have set a trap for him, for lack of a better word. They've caught a woman in adultery. And they have brought him, thinking, brought her before him to test him. So let's see what's happening. This is chapter 8, verse 2 of John. It says this, At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. 
he sat down, he began to teach them. And again, this is what Jesus did every time he was in a town. He went to a synagogue. He went and taught. That's what Jesus was all about. Verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in an act of committing adultery. And the law of Moses commands us to stone such women. What do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up again and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. And he was left with the woman at the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go forth and sin no more. See, this is a great story that highlights the character of who Jesus is. See, the trap here that the Pharisees thought they were going to be able to pull off is that no one besides Rome itself, who had was the one who had invaded and was controlling uh, Israel at this time, could have capital punishment. But they also knew that Jesus was very compassionate and a friend of sinners, which, by the way, is a great title for you and me and for people of the day who are sinners, but honestly was meant much more as an insult than we maybe think about it today. See, they thought that Jesus was going to have to do one of two things, either agree with them and get on the bad side of Roman authority, or to go with her and obviously break a law. Interestingly enough, in the midst of this, Jesus simply says nothing. He doesn't dive into a defense of the law of the woman or everything else. or He doesn't even say anything besides one thing. That what they said is right. That that is the law of Moses. And that they could do it as long as no one among them was guilty of breaking the law as well. See, here is something interesting about this. Up until this point in the story, Jesus has not required any special authority per se. He's just simply interpreting law correctly. He's simply saying the truth that they can stone her and everything else. But then things get very interesting when everyone walks away and Jesus forgives her. For humans, it's not up to others to forgive someone else's sin. I mean, this woman had obviously sinned, and we need to recognize this, that this story says that they were caught in the act. And we have to understand that the law that they were talking about specifically said that they had to have multiple witnesses catch them in the act. Interestingly enough, though, they didn't bring the guy with them at all, even though the law was clear that he was to be punished as well. So there is no doubt that she had done wrong and had sinned. But Jesus was not part of any of this, it seemed. He simply was doing this, yet he forgives her. And that points to something much bigger. This goes all the way back to the beginning of John when he starts talking about that Jesus is more than we may think, that he is the word become flesh, that the entire point of this book is to point out to the uniqueness of who God, who Jesus is, God incarnate, our Savior, the Messiah. See, here's the reality. Jesus being fully God can in fact say all sin is primarily against him. And thus he can forgive it. 
Better yet, even, and this is going a little ahead in the story, he takes it upon himself to deal with payment of the sin that his own people have committed and paying the consequence of that sin to make the relationship right by the work he does on the cross. See, we see a glimpse of the gospel in this here that the grace of Jesus covers this woman's disgrace. That in the midst of this woman who had every right to be stoned, yes, and even though she was being pulled in and used to try to trap Jesus, we see that Jesus doesn't fall into the trap and even beyond that gives her hope. Besides just pointing to the truth, he goes a step further. And even though he, she had sinned against the guy and the guy had sinned against her and all this other sin that was there, he can forgive it. He cannot condemn her because ultimately all sin is ultimately first and foremost sin against God. It's interesting, too, that he makes every single person, not audibly, admit their own sins. And I don't know for sure, but in my mind, it's this group of men, and slowly rocks just start hitting the ground as they walk away. And he simply forgives her. He doesn't give her license to keep sending. He gives her a reason to stop sinning. And I think that's where we can find ourselves in this story and know who Jesus is, is that Jesus is someone who hates sin, who's done more to obliterate it and wants us to, to step out of that life that is hurting ourselves and others. But instead of just giving permission for it or saying that the struggle is there, he gives her something even more. See, this woman's sin does not shock or surprise Jesus, and I think we need to recognize that even when our own sins shock and surprise others and even ourselves at times, that it doesn't surprise Jesus. Because he's already dealt with it on the cross. And here's the question for us today is, as Christians, do we live and remember that we're free from condemnation? That Jesus has paid it all, as the old song said, and rest in his grace, rest in his forgiveness. And here's even a, maybe a bigger application point. This is if Jesus won't stone this woman and Jesus won't stone us for our sins, why do we stone ourselves so often? Right after this, Jesus goes on and says a pretty famous verse. He says, I'm the light of the world. And I think C.S. Lewis said it really well when he said that he believes in Christianity like he believes in the sun in the sky because it's risen and it's because he can see the sun in the sky and he can see everything else by it. And Jesus is the same way. We know who Jesus is because of what we've seen in our lives and we also know how to treat and act to ourselves and others. And I'll be the first to say that I don't always get this right. We don't need to shy away from the brokenness of this world or ourselves. We can see it, see it as gruesome and as dark and broken as it is, and yet still hold the light of the gospel that Jesus will fix it, meet us where we are, and has the authority to forgive our sins and give us something better to live for than our sins. See, Jesus meets us where we are, guys. I don't know where you're at, what sins you're falling into, whether you've been gotten caught yet or if you will get caught in the future. But understand that oftentimes we need to come and lay it at the feet of Jesus, trusting him that he has the authority and the kindness and the love to forgive us and to give us something more, just like this woman. So drop your stone. Stop stoning others. Stop stoning yourself. Trust Jesus. He paid it all. I hope this finds you encouraged. 
hang in there as you're finishing up finals this week, guys. And I hope that you will be able to have a great holiday season. Take care. Peace.